Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Uh, Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Mike Wolf. Mike, I just actually recently reached out to you, but like you've been on my list. Whenever I first started the podcast, like three and a half, three and a quarter years ago, I was like, let's make a list of everybody I know that's Canadian that invests in the US and you're on the list and just, I don't know why it took us so long to get here, but (laughs) thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me and better late than ever. I've been actually investing in the US for about 17 years. So I was doing it back before it was cool for Canadians to invest in the US, so. Oh yeah. (laughs) So um, Mike, for people who don't know who you are, give us a little intro. Well, let's see. Uh, I've been investing in real estate for 31 years. Uh, Roughly the first half of that was in Canada. And then uh, a buddy of mine moved from uh, Calgary, where I'm from, to Las Vegas. And I used to go to visit him kind of on a monthly basis. And every time I'd go there, the prices were going up and up and up. And at, at that time, things in Calgary were pretty stagnant. The market wasn't really doing very much. And I thought, man, this is almost too good to be true. And I had no idea how you deal with the taxes and how you move money back and forth and how you convert currency in those days. And I definitely made a lot of mistakes, but I could tell that that opportunity was much better than what was going on in Canada at the time. And after that, I never really looked back. So I've been investing only in the U.S. Uh, for probably the last 17 years or so. Once, once I bought that first property in Vegas, I stopped investing in Canada because I could see there were a lot of advantages uh, from many perspectives. And uh, here I am after, after all these years still in, investing very heavily in the U.S. and, and uh, expecting some really good opportunities coming down the pipeline with all this crazy COVID uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I just did a little bit of homework on you over the last week. And I always thought you were a Vegas investor. And then I, I realized you're in Georgia. Or did you change? Well, I, I see one of the things that I recommend all investors do is you know, the opportunity is gonna, is gonna move and it's not always gonna stay in the same spot. And so I started, my first US market was Las Vegas. And I got in there uh, a little bit before the recession started. And in those days I was mostly flipping homes to uh, the, the biggest segment of the market back then was Californians were leaving California. They were heading to Vegas to lower their cost of living. And it was almost too good to be true because those prices were going up like on a daily basis. And so I got into that market. Uh, of course, the recession kicked in around 2007, 2008. I was already invested there, but I was mostly uh, flipping homes and I was in, I was out really quickly. I got my paycheck. So it was really easy for me to uh, pivot with the market. And I started to, as the market really took a hit, and that market got hit the worst of any US city, by the way, it dropped 80%. So imagine, <laughs> yeah, imagine a $200,000 home all of a sudden be worth 40 or 50 grand. That's what was happening. And, and like for um, doing flips, your exposure time is while you're doing the renovations. So what, what kind of, le- like how long were your renovations? Are they six months, one year? How long do you? Oh, we we know, nowhere near that because the market was moving so fast. A lot of times we had them sold before we did the renos. And, and no, oh, we, we, nice. <laughs> we, we, were, uh, we were on. I wasn't looking at doing any, like the stuff we do, I like to do stuff that's relatively easy. And I don't like gut jobs. And we're, we're not buying a crap years. We're buying nice homes and good areas. And uh, I've, I've never really uh, dealt in the hood, for example. There's some, <laughs> there's some really sketchy parts of Vegas, let me tell you, but I wasn't investing in those. 
And so we, we are getting in, we are making them look prettier, uh, modernizing them. And you know, typical, typical lift breast back in those days was maybe 60 days, 30, 60, maybe 90 days at, at, the, at the furthest. We didn't want, if it required more than that, I'd rather have my money tied into something that, you know, lower hanging fruit, put it that way. Uh, but then okay. to answer your question, so we did extremely well in Vegas. I started to, as the market started to drop, I could see that a lot of, Amer back then, uh, and it's starting to happen again, uh, that uh, American dream of everybody owning their own home, that switched dramatically to people uh, in the US. It became a nation of renters. And so I could see that renting was gonna be where the big uh, money was. And nobody was looking, if, if you're flipping, if you're buying and fixing stuff, no, there was nobody buying. And, and, and of course the market was dropping. So you don't want to be flipping in a dropping market. Right. So we, we started to buy and hold and the properties were, were getting cheaper and cheaper all the time. And, uh, but then that market came back as could be expected. And, yep. and uh, when that happened, I then took my money. I sold my properties in Vegas, took that money and started buying stuff in Phoenix. And I rinsed and repeated what I was doing in Vegas. And we did the same thing over, uh, we just switched markets. And so one, one of the things I recommend to investors is one, don't be married to what's in your own backyard. Uh, pick a market where you're going to get the best returns. And then as soon as that opportunity switches, be prepared that you're going to have to go to a different, you don't have to, but you're going to make a lot more money if you go to a different market that's lagging behind. And, and a lot of times we'll see markets that follow suit with the last one. So to me, it was kind of when I got to Phoenix, it was like I read the book. I already knew what the ending was. Yeah, the market's going to come crashing down and then it's going to bounce back up. And those people holding properties and creating cash flow for themselves while they're waiting for that to happen are going to win. And so, and then I, you know, I've done stuff in Florida, I've done stuff in Texas. Now we're really heavily invested in, in Atlanta, which is a great market. Uh, but one of the reasons for my success is I don't get married to a market and I don't invest where I live. I don't, I'm actually a nomad, so I don't really live anywhere. But even if I did live somewhere, I right now I'm in, I'm in Tulum, Mexico, by the way. Ah. <laughs> I don't own any real estate in Mexico just because I'm hanging out here doesn't mean I have to own the real estate here. So, um, so don't, don't buy where you live, buy where it makes sense and be prepared that where, what makes sense is not going to stay the same indefinitely. Cool. So I know that you're uh, a guy that's been doing this for a while and you've built some systems and you've grown your thing. So what does a day-to-day -day look like for you? Like what, what parts are you still involved in? What have you been able to outsource to some other people? Yeah. So great, great question. And, um, over the years that, that uh, I, I would answer that question very differently. <laughs> 15 years ago, I was a workaholic and I was pretty much doing everything myself. And uh, it, it was, I was extremely busy and I got really good at, uh, at, at making the money, but I had zero balance in my life. My health was like not, uh, it was starting to fall apart. Uh, my relationships were falling apart. And so this kind of a question is really dear to my heart. It's actually, it was just, I was in Vegas, um, about a month and a half ago and I did a TEDx talk and that was my topic is, is happiness and fulfillment. So, so back in those days, I was chasing the money and uh, I was always brought up that you're the guy, you got to go work hard, you got to go and put food on the table. And so I worked really, really hard, long hours. I was very passionate about what I was doing, so it didn't bother me. But um, as my relationship started to fail and didn't get to spend as much time with my daughter as I wanted, I started to see that there was other things more important than just money. So anyway, we, we, yep. we fast forward to now, I went from, well, let's fast forward to 2019 before COVID hit. Okay. I went from uh, 
over those years, I went from workaholic to playaholic, mostly by putting uh, teams in place and starting to see, uh, when I went to Vegas, I started to buy and hold properties. That's when I started to build my first team. And I remember I, I had to hire my first property manager because I own properties in Calgary and I own properties in Vegas. I couldn't be two places at the same time to collect rent. Right. And so I very reluctantly hired my first property manager. Uh, you're probably much the same. I know most entrepreneurs, we have, I'd say, actually not just entrepreneurs, most people in general have control issues, but especially entrepreneurs. And oh, yeah. it's very oh, yeah. difficult, yeah. It's very difficult <laughs> not to let other people step in because we think they're gonna rip us off or they don't know how to do it as well as we can. And it really comes down to, to uh, control issues. But anyway, I reluctantly hired my first property manager uh, in those days. And I believe there's three phases to being a, if you become a successful real estate investor or a successful entrepreneur, you'll get through these three phases. And the quicker you get through, the better off you are. So first phase is solopreneur where you do everything yourself. That was me for most of my early career. Uh, then you hit a brick wall where you can't scale any further. You couldn't possibly add another property unless you want to work 20 hour days instead of 18 hour days and you're not, unless you want to give up sleep and food. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we get to that next phase and I call it the micromanager phase where we reluctantly hire somebody, but then we need to know every little thing that's going on. We kind of babysit them. And I was stuck in that phase for a little while, uh, but I had it. So my property manager had to call me if anything went wrong. Somebody didn't pay rent, I needed to know. An appliance broke i needed to know and i remember there was one week he called me on a monday and said hey mike the the stove at one two three main street is broken what should i do and he of course knew what to do but i made it so he had to call me so i said well let's see what it costs to fix it and if it's a, over a certain amount we'll replace it and then literally two or three days later he calls me up he goes hey the dishwasher was a different property different appliance but same question and saying what should we do and i gave him the exact same answer when i hung up the phone I thought to myself, man, am I ever dumb? Like your bottleneck. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing the work anymore, but I'm spending just as much time on the phone putting out fires as I did ever, you know, when I was doing the work. And so that led me to my third phase. And that was where, what I call the freedom phase. And the freedom phase is where you have great people in place. You trust them. You know, they've got your back. You've got theirs because you take good care of them. And stuff happens magically while you're not there, while you're not even paying attention to it. And so that was the start of my first system. I put a system in place saying, hey, if anything's over 2000 bucks, don't even call me, just deal with it. And if it's under that, then yeah, we'll have a conversation. That number eventually increased to 5,000, 10,000. Now it's like, unless a house is burning down or somebody died, don't call me. So, uh, but, but the reason I tell you all this is that had I, ironically, I always thought by having more control, it's gonna, I'm gonna make more money by, uh, uh, doing everything myself i'm going to save money and i make way more money now than i ever did being a workaholic being a playaholic i make way more because i've scaled and i have people doing just about everything so if we if we for example these days we buy well i'll tell you about my three revenue streams and then and then we'll, we'll uh, uh yeah. I'll from there so my first revenue stream i have a bunch of rental properties i don't deal with any of them my teams deal with them i, I almost never get any calls on anything to do with them and that all just happens magically uh, while I'm traveling and hanging out with my grandkids or doing whatever it is I feel like doing or volunteering. Yep. So that's my one revenue stream. Uh, my second revenue stream is we sell turnkey properties in Atlanta, Georgia. And so what that means is I'm going and uh, we're buying homes 20, 30, 40 at a time from the banks. These are, are typically uh, foreclosed homes. Uh, we're 
inspecting them, fixing them, putting tenants in place. Uh, my property management team looks after it and we sell these to investors literally around the world. And this takes up almost none of my time too, because it's, it's my money working for me. It's my teams. We have a whole bunch of systems in place and this stuff all happens while I'm doing my stuff once again. Uh, before COVID hit, um, once or twice a year, I would do live events. And I, I typically am I'm most known these days as the uh, tax lien and tax deed guy. So I teach tax liens and deeds and overages for that matter in Houston, Texas, because that's my favorite place to do it. And I would do really? it. Really? You found that's better than Georgia? I was, I was 100% sure you were going to say Georgia when you said that. Not, not for that strategy. <laughs> and so once again, I mentioned earlier, sometimes you got, you know, you got to go to different markets to do different things. So for buy and holds, I, I love Atlanta. One, that market is going up tremendously. It's uh, very, uh, it's very uh, landlord friendly. So it's easy to get rid of bad tenants. Um, that is a great market for that strategy. But for tax liens and deeds, I find the best market for that is Houston, Texas. And, uh, you know, I, I would do three and four day trainings back in 2019, uh, twice a year. I, I'd go for four days and then I'd hop on a flight and I'd go somewhere warm and tropical because that's my happy place or I go visit my grandkids, or I, I do a lot of give back stuff. So then, then COVID hit. Sorry to cut you off, but to, I'm just thinking like, uh, doesn't uh, Georgia pay like the highest interest rate for it, a lien? So let, let me, so um, <laughs> when we talk about Georgia, they have what's called a one year redemption period. So yes. normally, normally if you buy a deed, there's, uh, normally you just own the property, it's, it's your home, you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Now, in, in uh, a place that's got redeemable deeds, and Texas is one of them too, but Georgia is a one-year redemption period, yeah. and you can't really do much with that property during that year. So okay. you pretty much have to wait to see if the, if it, uh, and what I mean by redemption, first of all, let's explain what a tax is. I, know not everybody <laughs> tax. So, I have done some episodes on it, but go for it because, you know, there's people who jump in near the end. Yeah, they haven't okay. listened to the old stuff. <laughs> i a really brief rundown. So basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. When somebody doesn't pay their property taxes after a certain number of years, the county needs to put the home up on the auction blocks. They need that money for their hospitals or police force, schools, et cetera. And so eventually these homes end up on the auction block. And if you're a, uh, an investor that knows how to do it and, and knows the due diligence, and I just want to put that caution out there that if you don't yes. know what you're doing and you go to these auctions, you will get smoked on, you will lose your money. So don't do it until you, till you know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing, uh, you can get some really good properties for pennies on the dollar and uh, a tax deed there's there's the difference you're going to see the terms tax lien a tax lien, you're not actually buying a property you're typically getting a certificate uh, quite often it's called a, a tlc tax lien certificate and you're basically uh you're going to get when, when that homeowner eventually pays their property taxes you're going to get a check in the mail you might spend a thousand dollars there's a 10 percent penalty uh when that homeowner pays you're going to get 1100 so don't mix up tax liens and tax deeds two different things now tax deed you're actually buying a home in most places where you buy a tax deed you now own that property free and clear if there are any mortgages on there they get wiped out any liens they get wiped out and i say the word typically so uh if you don't know when the atypical thing is going to happen you will get wiped out so uh but anyway um in, in Atlanta, in Georgia, not just Atlanta, all of uh, Georgia, yeah. they have a one-year redemption period, meaning that that homeowner can come back and purchase that home back from you within that year. Now, the problem is that makes it really difficult if you're going to go flip homes. If you go flip that property and then the homeowner comes back and says, I want to buy it, and you no longer own it, 
uh, that could put you in a really bad financial situation. So I don't really like that one year redemption. And I also don't like the fact that in Georgia, there's not that much you can do with the property while you're waiting for that year to, uh, to uh, transpire. Yeah. Now, if we, if we switch that over to uh, uh, Texas, in Texas, there's a six month redemption period. And that during that redemption period, the previous homeowner can come back, but they have to pay you 25, a 25% premium over and above what you paid for it, plus any expenses. So if you go and you have to recarpet it or put a new roof on it, they're gonna pay you for that roof and that carpet. They're gonna give you a 25% premium over and above what your cost was. Those now repairs the, have to be like um, necessary though, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. so they have to be necessary. You can't, you can't just go put a million dollar chandelier in there. <laughs> Uh, and if you do that, you will uh, lose your chandelier and you won't get your million dollars and you won't get the 25%. Yes. So don't do that. Um, but yes, it's called necessary yeah, necessary expenses. So whenever you do that, you always want to take pictures of the before and the after. And you want to just, you know, you want to be able to justify if it ever went to court, why you had to do it. And so if you put a new roof on and the previous owner says, well, I'm not paying for that roof, you didn't need it. Well, you want to have a, an inspection report from a roofer saying, yes, it did. So anyway, these, these are the, the, the big distinction though between Texas and Georgia is in Texas, during that six month period, you can actually rent the home, you could live in it. There are ways actually that you can flip it and I actually teach that. But uh, in general, you have a lot more that you can do during that redemption period than you would have in, in Georgia. So yeah, so that's why I absolutely love, uh, that's why I absolutely love uh, Texas, particularly Houston for that strategy. So, so I used to do trainings there once or twice a year. I go there for four days, then I'd hop on a flight, I'd be done. And then six months later, I'd get kind of bored and I'd call up my team and say, hey, maybe we should put another event on the calendar. Let's, do, let's start the marketing machine up. And so, um, so that's what life looked like before COVID. Now, during COVID, I still have those uh, first two revenue streams. Like I still have my rental properties and we have great systems in place. So I'm getting almost all my rent. And I know that there's a lot of landlords struggling with that. So I actually have a video on YouTube somewhere uh, that you can Google uh, what to do with tenants during COVID uh, and it's ethical ways and how to treat them well, but still get paid. Um, yep. But in any case, so, so I still have that revenue stream. We're still, we're still selling turnkey properties and they're selling like crazy because Microsoft uh, just announced that they're building a major hub in Atlanta Ooh. and they're creating thousands and thousands of jobs and we can't keep up with the uh, demand. And on top of that, of course, we typically buy from banks and the banks, there's a foreclosure moratorium now until June 2021, where the banks can't uh, foreclose on anybody, which I'm glad. I mean, I hate to see the banks kicking people out in the middle of the street during a pandemic. That would not be very thoughtful no. uh, of them and not, not, a very, uh, not a very nice thing. But that's not going to last forever. And No, the tap's been closed. And, and when it opens, there's going to be a backlog. <laughs> right, exactly. So what that's going to do is, is one... Uh, by the way, we've sold around 1,100 homes in Atlanta over the last nine years, just to give you an idea. Holy what, moly. <laughs> and, and right now, I could probably sell another 50 if I had the access to the inventory. So right now, because the bank, we can't buy from the banks, we're buying one here, one there. We're buying onesies and twosies where we normally buy 20s and 30s and 40s. So we're, we're uh, but that's, that machine's still running. And once again, not, not with me. My teams are, are doing the acquisition and the fixing up. So I like to have my money work for me, but I don't like to necessarily, I like to really protect my time. And that's what I talked about on the TED stage, protecting <laughs> your time and creating happiness and fulfillment and figure out why, why you're on this planet. We're all here for a reason. And I don't think it's to be a workaholic. But anyway, uh, but my third revenue stream, I used to do, uh, as I mentioned, once or twice a year, I do teaching. And then when, when COVID first hit, 
Um, I went back to Calgary. That's where my daughter and my two grandsons are. Yeah. And decided that, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hunker down here until, and I, and I thought things were going to last maybe a few weeks or a month or two. I had no idea. No, I mean, obviously nobody knew it was going to go this long, no. but I spent seven months up in Calgary. And for the first two weeks that I got there, I just slept in every day. I had no flights to catch. I had nothing on my calendar because the stuff that I, the stuff yeah. that we do in my business was done by other people. Yeah. And I was just sleeping in, watching Netflix, taking it easy. And then all of a sudden my phone started to ring and I got calls from podcasters and radio show hosts and people putting on summits and all these people were wondering what's going to happen with real estate, what's going to happen with the economy. And one, one particular uh, person who was putting on a three-day summit, she, she teaches wealth creation, but she doesn't teach real estate. And I was supposed to speak on her summit for 45 minutes and her people had so many questions about real estate. I think I ended up speaking for like two hours. And then she, she asked, hey, would, Mike, would you mind doing like a full day online training for my people? I go, well, I got nothing else to do. So why not? Let's do it. And then next thing you know, she said, well, why don't you do like a three day for, for my people? I go, yeah. okay. I, I never thought I could sit in front of a computer for three days, I by know. the way. I <laughs> yeah. I but I actually loved it. And to, to make a long story short, 2020 actually led to me creating my first ever year-long group coaching program. And I would have never done it be, uh, if it weren't for COVID because I normally, that's, um, I, I love teaching, but I also like to protect my time. And, uh, but anyway, so, so 2020 and 2021 have looked a little bit different than previous years that I'm actually working. I came out of semi-retirement and I'm actually working harder, which is really ironic. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm loving it. I'm having a lot of fun, but I'm also figuring, okay, when more borders open, I can go back to being my nomad uh, self again. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my top students to be coaches and they're going to be, uh, more, They'll probably do 80% of the training and I'll, I'll be in the background doing 20%, whereas this year it's the other way around. So yeah, so COVID, COVID switched things around a little bit, but it's led to a really fun and exciting uh, business. And it kind of took my mind off of things because being locked down in Calgary, when you're used to traveling the world is not an easy thing, especially when that snow started to come down because I, I normally avoid that. Yeah. Uh, so so there's, there's no such thing as a typical day, but uh, normally, like I said, I, I, I've gone from workaholic to playaholic over the years. And I've kind of added a little bit more work into the mix, but I'm also cognizant that once the borders start to open up, I might not want to be doing a coaching call at three in the morning when I'm on a cruise ship or in Europe or Asia, who knows? Yeah, so, who knows? <laughs> so it's very hard to answer what, what a typical day looks like, but that's what my life looks like right now. Uh -huh. Awesome. And like, so in the real estate part of the whole big Mike Wolf thing um your team can buy properties renovate the properties and you don't even have to be part of it really at all like do you do they send you an, a list an email that has like hey by the way we bought some properties <laughs> no i have it so systemized now that i don't even need that because i have so so to give you an idea uh, i've got somebody on my team his his main and he's actually my partner i actually have a partner who's boots on the ground in atlanta yep. and he actually has relationships with several banks and so he, his main job is to schmooze bankers, take them out for lunch and drinks and whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so that, so that they want to sell their properties to us instead of somebody else. So he deals with all that. Uh, after he buys, let's say he bought a package of 30 properties today. He, he then, uh, uh, we get the inspectors to go in and they go and they give us our reports of what needs to be done in all the homes. They pass that on to the, uh, to our uh, tradespeople to go and fix up whatever needs to be done on it. And then once it's fixed up, our, uh, our property manager goes in, starts 
you know, getting all the photographs taken and videos, et cetera. And then I've got salespeople literally around the planet uh, that promote these properties. A lot of them are realtors. A lot of them are financial planners. These people are people that have other jobs in the same kind of related industry. Uh, but whenever they get somebody who's interested in real estate, they send them my way. And so this all happens while I'm doing whatever I want to do. And I have, I have actually a, a website with a list of my inventory. And that I'm, a lot of times, uh, I, I do have some people, maybe they see me on stage or they hear me on a podcast and then they call me and they go through me to purchase, which is awesome. I'm happy to do it. But quite often they'll, they'll go to my, I'll, I'll send them to my website and they'll say, oh, what do you know about this property at 123 Main Street? I go, I know absolutely nothing about that property, but my team knows that property intimately. So I go back to my team, find out, hey, can you tell me a little bit about the tenant? And the neighborhood, but this all happens while I'm doing my thing. It, I'm, I'm that's, not. That's great. I don't have to pay attention to it. And when we go fix up the homes, for example, if you, Glenn, if you were to come with me to Atlanta and say, Mike, I want to see behind the scenes in your turnkey operation. Yeah. After you saw about two or three properties, say, Mike, I don't need to see more. Because guess what? They all have the same carpet, same color paint, same appliances. So it's very, very standard. So I don't get calls all day long. Yeah. People say, Hey, what color carpet should we put in this home? So it's very <laughs> standardized and systemized, and it, we figure out what works. And we're kind of the um, we're kind of the McDonald's, but in a, in a, when I say McDonald's, I don't really respect that company uh, necessarily. But I do. They have the best system. They have the best system. Because I'm vegan, but anyway, they do have <laughs> they do have the best that they do have the best systems of probably any business in the world. We try to emulate that. Awesome. No, if you're ever going to Georgia, let me know because I'm now investing Ohio, uh, Alabama, and Florida, which. Basically, Georgia's right in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I drive right down the is it 75 right through there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I probably will be going. I, I don't go there that often. When I do, it's not for work. No, no. I still like to go and hang out with my partner and the team, but I'm not actually working. I, I go down there to shake hands and meet people and keep relationships up. Absolutely. But yeah, if you are if you're ever going that way, let me know. And I know right now leaving <laughs> Canada is a big pain if you want to come oh, back. Yeah. Well, wait so a bit. I, left, I knew I wasn't coming back for a while, which I'm happy with. But anyway, I, I love my country, by the way. I just don't like winter. But uh, <laughs> I don't but blame you. <laughs> one of the days we will connect in that will definitely make a point to connect in Atlanta or, or Florida. As always. Wherever, yeah. Summer warm. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Mike, last question before we go. Um, all these people you have on your team, are they, do you keep them uh, uh, W2 or T4 or do, are they like all contractors? Like you all yeah, all, all different depending on what, you know, what capacity they work with us. And so, for example, the people that promote our properties, they're just, uh, they're not even under contract. That's just, they get a referral fee whenever they send people to us. The, uh, you know, the, the con we have contractors that work with us. We have 13 different teams that fix up properties. And so uh, most of those have their own businesses that, you know, they're just contractors. So it really just depends on what capacity somebody is working with us, but I have, you know, marketing people, for example, and uh, they're, they're actually employees. So there's a whole bunch of different, uh, we have a lot of moving parts and a lot of different people, you know, if you look behind the scenes and they all get paid differently, depending on what, uh, what their uh, role is within the business. <laughs> you know, that led to one more question. Yeah. Did you bother, was it, did you find it like, how do I work this properly? Do you have a social security number? Did you did you go the working visa way, or do you not? I did not. Out? I am actually a Canadian, and when I'm in the states, I'm there as a tourist, and okay, uh, I I have no advantage over most of the people listening 
or actually all the people, some of the people listening probably have an advantage over me. How about you, Ben? Did you go and get your uh, visas and stuff? Or I am in the final stages of getting an E2 visa, which gives me a social oh, security number. Cool. But um, <laughs> the more I learn and as I keep growing and I, I start partnering with Americans and I'm just like, do what do I, there's less advantage to, you can do so much with just your ITIN. And I was just like, and, and your EINs from all the, the corps, right? But I'm like, absolutely. There's, but there's yeah. so, like, there's a few advantages, but there's like, as I partner with more and more people, it's just, you're like, the advantage is like, well, I just covered that advantage with that yeah. person, you know? Like, but, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the big, the big reason why you might want to do that is if you wanted to either live in the U.S. or be able to cross the border more easily and, and, yeah. and whatnot. But, but in, in general, yeah. it, I haven't found it necessary. And, as a nomad, um, I don't, I mean, I, I love the U.S. and I spend a certain amount of time there, but I'm, I'm also traveling to other countries, so I don't have a need to stay there more than six months, for example. And because my business runs without me even being there, I'm not, it's not like I'm flying down all the time and looking at homes or I'm not on the front lines anymore. So if, if this had happened in my workaholic days, yes, I probably would have got a visa because I'd want to be in control of everything and <laughs> looking for the properties and doing all that stuff that I used to do. Uh, but these days I really don't find it, at least for me, I don't find it necessary at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, Mike, uh, 60 seconds, just uh, tell us what courses you have, what, what you have to offer. Let's just, let's just spill it out. So if anyone's interested, they can come track yeah, it down. Absolutely. Well, well, one, I've got a free ebook. And if you go to my website, you can have that. It's uh, mikewolfmastery.com. Wolf, just like the animal. Yep. So if you go there, you'll get my free ebook and it talks about the top strategies you can be doing right now, even if you're locked down or stay at home order or whatever's going on in, in uh, wherever you're living. Uh, these are strategies you can do from your computer. Also, um, it, it talks about no, a lot of no money down strategies. When I first started 31 years ago, I was a uh, ex-university student trying to pay off student loans so I could go get my next degree. Uh, and so I have to be very resourceful because I didn't have the cash. I didn't have the credit rating yet. So a lot of the strategies are both things that require very little cash, such as a wholesaling and subject to an agreement for sale. Um, we talk about the tax financing, <laughs> taxings and deeds, how to raise money, etc. So that's all in this, in this ebook. So yep. download it, it's free. And then uh, I'm doing these online trainings. They're, they're three days uh, and I teach in a lot of detail as much as I can give my students in three full days. Uh, and we do a lot of Q&A and talk a lot, a lot about different strategies, both that work both in Canada and the U.S., and especially well for Canadians wanting to invest in the U.S. And uh, uh, if you go to mikeswealthmastery.com, I'll give you the details for the next. So I've got one March 12th to 14th, but I don't know if this podcast will be. Yeah, this is probably going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm about two months out <laughs> for uh, pre-recorded. So it'll probably oh, come out in like April oh, or probably yeah. late April, early May. Well, by the time you release, it'll probably be getting close to another event that I'm going to do. Assuming <laughs> that, you know, if the pandemic disappears and I can travel full time again, then maybe not. But otherwise, <laughs> or you can always send an email to me. Yeah, email. or even if you send me an email, I will update the show notes with the most up-to-date link. Awesome, awesome. That would be great. And then, so you can always reach out because I, I will go back to teaching my taxes and deeds live and in person once it's safe to do so. But of course, nobody knows when that is. But I did hear that uh, Texas is opening up and they're going- uh, like, Did they close? <laughs> I don't know if they did, but uh, one thing that they did, one thing that has been shut down is the auction, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. And uh, 
But I, I think yeah. everything's yeah. opening and it's, you don't even have to, I think they even said you don't have to wear masks anymore in Texas. So they're going, they're just, like, <laughs> we're, we're, they're, they're just saying we're done with COVID apparently. So, yeah. uh, so I may have my training again, but I'm only going to do it, of course, when it's safe to get people together in rooms. I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to be the uh, guinea pig testing this stuff out to see what, so anyway, when it's safe, <laughs> I will be doing trainings again, but I'm not going to do it until uh, it's all safe to do so. Awesome. Mike, send me an uh, email afterwards with like links to all the different programs. I'll throw them all in the show notes and people can jump there quick if they're looking for it. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate you, Glenn. That's really kind of you. Yeah, no problem. Um, guess I'm I usually ask at the end, how do they get a contact with you? I'm going to guess it's going to go go to Mike uh, Wolf Mastery or whatever.com. Yeah, you, you can reach out to me. Info at MikeWolfMastery.com. I, I reply to every uh, email that I get uh, yep. personally. Uh, if it's a real estate question, I will reply to it myself. And uh, I, I love to hear from other investors because that, after all these years, it's still my passion. And I love helping other investors if they get stuck with something or if you're Canadian trying to cross the border. There, there's a lot of, there's a few things you definitely need to know. And I, I, I definitely paid too much to uh, my banks convert my currency. I paid too much to different <laughs> government uh, tax bodies until I figured some things out. And so I'm always happy to share what I've learned over the years. And I know Glenn's doing the same. That's why he's got us, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah, why well, reinvent the wheel? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I appreciate what you're doing as well, Glenn. Oh, thanks. Just sharing, teaching people. <laughs> I, th yeah. I think the most successful real estate investors, you know, people say, well, why, you know, um, why would somebody share? And, and I think the most successful real estate investors, they don't have that scarcity mindset. They all have an abundance mindset. And that's why we're successful. If you have the wrong mindset, you're not going to make it in this industry. And I think by sharing, it all comes back. You share with one person, you give them some advice, they, they learn something new, they come back to you and they teach you something. And we just keep pulling each other up and helping each other. And that's what I love about this industry, at least the, the great people in this industry, not all of them are great, but the great ones, uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, uh, network with them and learn from each other. Love it. Love it. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. I really appreciate your time. I know, well, I was going to say, I know you're a really busy guy, but you just told me you're not. That's <laughs> not that busy. Anymore, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you reached out. It was great timing, and, yeah. and I really appreciate you having me here. Oh, thanks so much. My pleasure. <laughs>